Pandora makes it easy for you to find your favorite music. Discover new artists and genres by selecting any song or album, and we'll make you a personalized station for free. Download on the Apple App Store or Google Play and enjoy the soundtrack to your life. Save big money on everything for your spring projects at Menards. We have all of your garden and landscaping essentials. Master Garden Premium Garden Soil contains a slow-release fertilizer that feeds gardens for up to nine months. It produces better results and is ready to use for all your gardening needs. Save big on Menards' great selection of garden and landscaping products. Compare brands in-store or online at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Whether thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no hollow, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink, thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own, into our house enter thou not, through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps and Peepers. E, do, do you think it would be fun if we just suddenly changed the images in that video? And to then mess like, with people? And then, no, to mess with you, like it was suddenly your face. Ooh. Every time I watch it, I'm like... Is it going to be different? <laughs> I'm Dan. Hey, hey, Dan. I'm Lindsay. Thanks for uh, thanks for watching and listening and continuing to rate and review our show. Yeah, man. Thanks so much. Spreading the. I know you don't like this, but spreading the STD. I mean, it is the only STD worth getting. True. I think. True. Unless she was really hot. But this this one, no repercussions. No repercussions, no cure either, so good luck. <laughs> uh, thanks for continuing to send in your own messages. The uh, My story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Uh, we, we love getting those. It's my favorite part of the show now. It's just uh, not knowing what stories are going to come at the end that Lindsay is going to tell me. They're so creepy this week. Mm. I've, I have a big one, a very tiny one, and then an extra one because one is so tiny. Okay, so you have three stories. Three, but one is like... Four sentences. It's more about an image that someone sent that I am losing my mind over. Okay, okay. I'm excited to hear that. I I have two stories. Uh, the first story is about the the demons that haunt the Muslim world, the jinn. Oh, the jinn in the in uh, Bala Oman, an area known for a strong belief in evil spirits. We're going to talk uh, about them a little bit. Okay, and that's about, new. About an exorcism, but a Islamic exorcism. Cool. Actually, mm. that sounds really fascinating. It is. It is I'm, very I'm, interesting. I might regret it later. <laughs> and then, uh, and then another story about uh, a curse—the curse of the of St. Louis's Lemp family and their Lemp mansion. So, no little story, big story. This is just two kind of bigger stories. I feel like I've gotten some emails about about the Lemp mansion. Yeah, it's pretty. It's, it's one of those places that will show up in some top ten lists of like mm-hmm. the most haunted places in America. Yeah, and, and actually, uh, Bala uh, Oman has shown up in top ten lists of the most haunted places in the world. Okay, well, I've heard of neither of them, though. The second was do- second one mm-hmm. does sound familiar. familiar? Yeah, yeah, but I don't. I don't know the story, so uh, that's great. I'm. I'm I'd like to say I'm excited, but I'm never really excited. They're both excited. very interesting. They're both, I mean, I like it that they're both, they're both scary and then also just kind of interesting to learn a little bit of uh, information about like the area, yeah. about the culture, about the history. Yeah. I like kind of mixing those two when they when it comes up naturally. Yeah. I'm still scared about the woman in the road from- Oh yeah, Hawaii. An episode or two back. It was two still, episodes back. 
Oh, because I'm not telling it this week, but I got an email about a fan and a woman in the road. And I was like, damn it. Uh, We got some new merch. I don't want to forget about. We got a a couple things. What do we got? Hit in the store. We got the uh, creep shirt and a paper shirt. Oh, yeah. Very simple. Just the word creep, just the word paper written in, you know, cool font. Uh, proceed proceed carefully with peeper. <laughs> Do not wear that around a uh, preschool, daycare, oh, nursery. Yeah. That'd be kind of or do if you have a great sense of humor <laughs> and you're and you're just willing to take that oh risk. Oh my god. If you take your kid to school with a peeper shirt on, <laughs> I want pics or it didn't happen. And we have our first hoodie, first scared to death hoodie. Yay! It's in that uh, Dia de los Muertos style, the Mexican Day of the Dead style, kind of I tattoo art style. Yeah, I can't say that chunk of words. Dia de Moto, what? <laughs> Dia de la Moto. Uh, Dia de los Muertos. Dia I'm, I'm pretty white. De los Muertos. I have, uh, I have no ear or tongue for language. That's okay. I'm pretty generic. I'm basic, you know. Are you basic? Are you... I'm a basic bitch. Oh, man. Pumpkin spice lattes. Actually, I don't even <laughs> like pumpkin spice lattes. <laughs> so the, and, then, and then Lindsay's very excited. We'll talk later about, uh, if you notice, you're watching the show, we don't have the big headphones on. We got in-ears that the uh, producer, Joe Paisley, was very excited about. Look at, look at Casey. Mine. And it sounds so good. She got gold sparkly Sparkles. in-ears so we can hear each other better and it will just uh, make the show hopefully more that much more organic and natural. Yeah. And yeah, just like we're having a conversation, just exactly. sharing some stories. More conversational. Are you ready? It, it's I am really ready. cold in here, you guys. It is Normally, extra cold in here. Uh, the temperature in here is usually around like 66, 67. And when we came in, it was like 65. Mm-hmm. It, it's bumped up to 67, but um, freezing. freezing. Okay, well, are we well, ready? I'll, I'll get, yeah, you, while you get set up with your blanket and your socks, I'll give my a little bit of a, a little setup on the first story. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll show my socks later because they're a gift from a fan. So, Bala Oman. Small city in an Arab country on the southeastern coast of the Arabian Peninsula near the tip. Uh, site of, of one of, uh, of the old 13th century Bala Fort. The fortress in the town, a UNESCO uh, World Heritage Site. Cool. Enclosed by the extensive remnants of the 15th century. It's a 12 kilometers, seven and a half mile long fortified wall. Okay. We'll have pictures at the end. It's actually very pretty. I bet it is. So and where is it? Bala Oman. So on the tip of the Arabian Peninsula. Which is where? Because I don't have any sense of geography. The Middle East. The, the, uh, Saudi Arabia is, okay. the, is the main thing of main country in the Arabian Peninsula. Because you know that like to me, I think like we live in Idaho and I'm not even sure where Nevada or Colorado oh, are. Oh boy. Oh boy. You yeah. know this. I know. I know. Geography is definitely not your strong suit. Eep. Uh, the, yeah. But like, yeah, it's in, it's in the Middle East. It's in the Middle East. Okay. I'm uh, just protecting myself. Bala is a, a beautiful old city. Not really known primarily for its old wall or old fort as cool as they are. Primarily known for... Uh, uh, actually, actually, not even primarily known for beautiful pottery that's been created there for centuries, even though it is well known for that. Yeah. It's mostly known for spirits. It's known as the City of Magic, uh, more sp- specifically the City of Black Magic. Oh, really? Ancient Oasis Town, uh, once the capital of the Sultanate of Oman, home to more than its fair share of myths and legends. Known for, uh, you know, a, a lot of uh, strange shadows and unexplained sounds. In 2014, this is what I was referring to earlier, Bala was listed in National Geographic's top 10 most haunted cities in the world. I feel like if Nat Geo is saying it, it's got to be true. Long history of, of, yeah. of hauntings and spirits. Many who visit uh, say that a mysterious, nefarious aura surrounds this old walled city, a sign to some that dark magic is still being practiced in the area. Legends about Bala's magical past include tales of people being turned into animals, people haunted by or possessed by spirits, and even of people vanishing when they stood in certain cursed places. Can I go there and become Penny Pooper or Ginger Bell? I don't think that's how it works. 
Because I, I would. I would be our dogs. <laughs> the belief in curses is real. They're still being cast there. Uh, and more than anything else, the people of Bala believe in and fear the jinn. The jinn. Like G-I-N? Like jinn? Mm, sometimes spelled D-G, uh, D-J-I-N-N. Oh, okay. Sometimes spelled J-I-N-N. Jinn. Okay. Okay, so you ready? Yeah. Time now for the evil jinn of Bala. A local man living in the area now, Muhammad al-Hanai, says that behind his modest cement house, a strange, roughly human-sized inferno appeared back in 2014. He reports seeing green flames hovering ominously for several minutes above the sand, neither growing nor relenting. This blaze broke out amid sand and rock on a cloudless night during the bitter chill of an Oman winter. And al-Hanai says that he didn't just see the fire, he heard it. He heard an awful human cackling echoing within the flames human-ish, and then he saw a human figure inside the flames. He saw a pale woman in rags who vanished along with the fire as quickly as it had appeared. When Al-Hanai talked to a reporter about what he'd witnessed back in 2015, he spoke in hushed tones. His fingers shook with fear when he pointed towards where he'd seen this strange, burning woman. Before continuing to discuss the fire, he dashed up a staircase into his home, insisting on closing the door tightly after the reporter followed him inside, He was sure that outside, behind his home, hidden amongst the endless sand and shrub, were evil demons that had plagued the desert town of Bala for centuries. He was sure they were listening. He claims to hear them whispering around him all the time when the sun goes down. Al-Hanai is an educated man. He does not appear to be mentally unstable. He attended the country's premier university, raised five children to adulthood, worked as a supervisor at a factory 20 miles down the road before recently retiring. And he's far from alone in Bala when it comes to claiming to have witnessed an evil spirit. Many others, like Al-Hanai, claim to feel the spirit world around them all the time there. Stories about malicious spirits abound in Bala. There is rampant speculation as to why they intrude so frequently upon the lives of the living in this particular part of the world. The community is divided over what to do about these spirits. You get the fuck out. That's what you do. They don't All know of if, them. They don't know if anything can be done, uh, you know, whether they, they should be or should not be acknowledged in the first place. There's almost zero debate over whether or not they exist or about what they usually are. They're usually thought to be the jinn. Among Muslims, the second largest religious group in the world, belief in evil spirits is common. Descriptions of evil jinn are particularly vivid in many Islamic texts. The Quran tells the story of the birth of the jinn, supernatural creatures born of a smokeless fire, While further verses and the hadith, collections of quotes attributed to the Prophet Muhammad that supplement the Holy Book of Islam, lay out further details of the origins and the principles of the jinn. These texts present an unsettling picture. The jinn are extremely powerful beings made in the eyes of Allah alongside humans who are not created evil, but almost always choose to be evil. Mm. Most jinn are believed to follow the evil lead of Iblis, leader of the wicked jinn, the Islamic equivalent to Satan. A prideful being who was once considered to be an angel who refused to bow down to the superiority of Adam and humanity. And because of this refusal, Iblis was cast out of heaven. And then Iblis, furious and vengeful, vowed to lead all of humanity astray. And now Iblis leads the jinn. Islam teaches that the jinn enjoy lurking in dark, unclean places where they wait to catch humans alone. If you find yourself alone in an especially dark and damp or dirty cellar, for example, a place where the sun never shines, a place maybe full of rats and the dirt and the dark, the jinn are sure to be near. Well, fuck that. 
Islamic doctrine offers a specific prayer used to ward off these foul spirits that one is supposed to utter when entering a shadowy or impure place. Oh my God, tell me the prayer. In the name of God, I take refuge with you from all evil and evildoers. Belief in the jinn is strong in the Muslim world. Recent studies of Muslims in Morocco, Pakistan, place the rate of belief in jinn at above 80%. Really? And it's thought that an even higher percentage of Muslims in Oman believe in the jinn there. An Islamic scholar recently said that the Arabian Peninsula is the heartland, the origin of the jinn. Some think, some think that the very walls of Bala were constructed to keep away outsiders that the jinn had corrupted, and also to try and keep out the jinn themselves. An anthropology professor wrote that stories circulated around town of nomads who would attempt to get inside the walls so that they could kidnap people, take them to Dubai or Saudi Arabia, sell them like goats, and that the walls were built to protect villagers from evil spirits that ate animals and cannibalized humans. Jesus. Even today, many Bawalis or uh, Balawis feel suspicion and distrust towards these three ancient mosques now reduced to ruins because they were built just outside the town's original walls. They think that these mosques were constructed by evil men who used them to worship the jinn and the bliss. Stories of jinn sightings in Bala range from mildly disturbing to downright bone chilling. In 2007, one family claimed to have been woken up in the middle of the night on numerous occasions over a period of a few months to the sound of some low moaning just outside their home. The following morning, after each instance of hearing this moaning sound, the family would find strange mounds of rocks and sand meticulously piled directly underneath the window of their infant son's room. Well, that is creepy as fuck. Always there, always by that window. Who was moaning? Who was making these strange sounds? Why? Another Bala resident claims that some evil spirit has been targeting his 30-year-old brother for months, saying, I find my brother some nights in the middle of the night muttering outside against a wall, muttering unintelligible words. A group of farmers claim that they've been hearing Jin haunting the palm oases just outside of town, calling their names after the sun sets, trying to lure them across the desert valley, hoping they become dangerously lost. In another incident, a man and woman claiming to be haunted by an evil jinn lost their first 11 children. Oh, my God. All of them dying before the age of three. Oh. And then after an exorcism where a local holy man claims he wrestled the spirit of a jinn from the wife's body, the couple had three more children, all of them now healthy, all of them now approaching their teens. Hmm. Exorcisms to get rid of jinn are common in Bala, very common. An exorcist who operates in the area claims to have treated over 5,000 similarly afflicted people over the course of his two-decade-long career. 5,000? That's just one holy man. Islam has its own exorcism rituals, but sometimes these rituals do not seem to be strong enough to remove the Bala jinn. So in the City of Magic and in a few other places in Oman, there is another exorcism ritual that lies just outside the practices of Islam. A ritual not practiced in many places elsewhere in the Muslim world. It is forbidden by the teachings of Islam. A czar exorcism. Czar. Someone claiming to be an American English teacher on vacation in Oman says that he witnessed one of these czar exorcisms in 2012. He met a woman claiming to be possessed by an evil jinn while traveling there and ended up at the home of a shaman, Moalim Salim, a known czar exorcist. After some pleasantries, this man... The afflicted woman and another witness, another man, approached a table in the middle of a brightly lit room where Salim had laid out some amulets he had used to exercise previous jinns. Salim then carefully opened a book 
an ancient-looking thick tomb made of delicate rice paper with intricate diagrams and charts scrawled in classical Arabic. Salim cross-referenced the alignment of the planets and stars with the birth of this afflicted woman. He explained that the power to banish the jinn came from balancing the four elements of earth, wind, air, and fire. He explained, when they are out of balance on earth, disasters occur, and as it is on earth, so it is with those Allah made of clay. Then as Salim finished its, his exorcism preparations, they all saw it. In the bright light of the room, all four of them witnessed a shadow suddenly race across the walls of the room. They heard it as well, indecipherable whispering, echoing in the shadow's wake. The American, the afflicted woman, and the other male witness all gasped collectively when they saw and heard this shadow. And then Mualim Salim shouted, Al-Malak al-Aswad, the black prince of the jinn. And then Salim started chanting the opening of the Quran, rocking back and forth. Salim and the others then saw, uh, or Salim then lit up some frankincense in a shiny plated incense burner. He instructed the jinn tortured woman to lie down in the middle of the sitting room. And then he started chanting the last two chapters of the Quran. And when he did, the lights of Salim's home began to flicker. Holy shit. Unbothered by this, he laid his bare hands on her forehead and began the ritual. He announced, I seek refuge with the Lord. I seek refuge with the Lord of the dawn from the evil of everything that he has created and from the evil of the darkness of night. And then when he finished that last statement, a light bulb exploded and the AC went silent. Salim now lit a candle to continue the exorcism. He spoke, and from the evil of magicians, men and women, and from the evil of the envious. And then the woman with the jinn fell into a trance. Her eyes rolled back into her head. Only the whites of her eyes remained showing. A deep sigh escaped from her lips and with it a rush of cold air shot out that could be felt by all present. Salim continued with the exorcism. I seek refuge with the Lord of mankind, the King of mankind, and the deity of mankind from the evil of the whisperer. She sat up suddenly, screaming out. A primal scream filled the room. Oh, my God. Oof. What was that? I was, I don't know what that was. That was Joe messing with us, I think. My God. Salim stepped back, motioning for the others present to quickly restrain her, lay her back down as he grabbed a bottle of holy water from under the amulet table. It took the combined force of two men to push her back down to the floor. As they did, another shadow moved across the wall. Strange whispering heard by all as the holy man's candles flickered. Salim sprinkled her with holy water. She winced and thrashed to be set free. Uh. Salim now challenged the dark prince. He cried out, He who returns over and over again, he who whispers evil into the hearts of men, whether he be from among the jinn or men, be gone! The windows rattled violently and the candle nearly flickered out as they finished his prayer. The shadow on the wall returned with its whispering and then with a flash it raced across the room and was gone. The woman fell out of her trance. Fingers that had been curled into claws now released their grip. The electricity came back on. The AC returned. They all watched the woman's eyes roll back to the front of her sockets and her breathing returned to normal. So she was okay? Mualim Salim stood up, raising the withered palms of his hand to the heavens, saying simply and humbly, Thanks be to Allah. The exorcism was over. Another jinn had been banished in Bala. But it won't stay gone for long. If it doesn't soon return, another will in this place in the city of magic. All I could think was that I really want to go to Morocco. Oh, right. And now that's off the fucking list. It's, it's very far away. From okay. Oman, like like clear across. Uh, it's not uh, anywhere uh, near Marrakesh. No, Oman. Oman is yeah in the Middle East, and uh, Marrakesh is on the northwestern side of Africa. <sighs> I just thought that like my summer plans were all completely over. 
<laughs> you may still want to go. I mean, as scary as that story is, check out. I do have uh, this is a picture of the original walled city. I mean, that is that's the UNESCO. Can I look, or is it going to be nonsense? That, no, no, you can look. That's the UNESCO World oh, Heritage Site. Wow, it, it's beautiful. Really, okay, that really is pretty. Beautiful, but it's haunted. That's what people think. Yeah, that, I mean, there's strong belief here. It's, I mean, a, it's a heavily, heavily like um, fundamentalist Islamic, uh, you know, area, and there is a strong belief in jinn. And this city, in particular, for whatever reason, has a stronger belief in evil jinn than probably anywhere else in the Muslim world. And uh, there's been stories going back for centuries, specifically here. Uh, here's a pic of the wider shot of the, you know, the small city around it. Oh I mean, my it's, it's God, beautiful. It's so green. Right. This oasis. Yeah. This oasis in the middle of the desert. Holy crap. Okay, okay. And then you're there, slowly convincing me. Show me more. What kind of food do they have? <laughs> There's a bunch of cartoons and stuff out there. Usually, when you look up gin, you get like Aladdin or like, a, oh, like it's, yeah, like, it's okay. like a genie is a gin. They're, they're not all oh, bad. Oh, okay. But but they they you know believe uh, if you're believing it in the religious sense, they tend to primarily be bad. And here's here's a depiction of like you know the shadow of a gin. Well, yeah, it's a fucking shadow person, right, like a creepy right. ass Grim Reaper style. And really, it's shadow person. It is the. Islamic equivalent of you know like a a, de a demon a type of demon. Yeah, well, I don't like it. A, you know, really I don't like it name. any less because right. it's Islamic. Right. I'm an equal opportunity hating, ghost hating. I don't. What are the words I want? <laughs> equal opportunity. Evil doer. You hate all evil doers equally. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I stumbled on that one. Forgive me. I uh, I think that was that was good timing. I think Joe Joe you you got us you got us with whatever that was. New new sounds coming through the, the the new headphones. I know. I'm like, will someone will they hear that when the show plays back? I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Some. I did not care for that. <laughs> so I mean, I, do you think that people from different religions see different entities, like actual different creatures, no. or, or they all it's the same, just different names? Exactly. That's what I think. That's if, what I if, think. If people are seeing them. I I think that um, a story is told. You know, right. I think it becomes like folklore, right? Whether it's true or not, right? Because yeah. we, we can't say one way or the other. It's like, you know, uh, this is just a belief or something that's been passed down from family to family, generation to generation. And so they're going to have their own spin on it. It's just kind yeah. of like, um, and I'm not poking fun, but like Santa Claus or Jesus Christ or the, you know, yeah. the Easter Bunny. It's like, it's whatever you've been raised to believe it looks like. So if right, you're... Right. If like I was raised in a very white house in a very white neighborhood, and so my Jesus was white, but like other people, got it. Right? Yeah, there there yeah. are other versions. Like where were we? We were in Panama, and there Jesus oh, yeah. Christ is. He, I mean, there's no other way to say because they even call it this there, black Jesus. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, so and and that's what they know, and that's what they believe. So I in that one church, they had an especially dark skinned uh, yeah. figure of Jesus from centuries before. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's I think it's all in in what you are exposed to so yeah, yeah I, th I think that it's all the same i think if if someone dies and haunts you or spirit is left behind or doesn't cross over or whatever there's no difference between that spirit of somebody in north america than somebody in the middle east it's still the same it's still just a spirit it's still a shadow it's still a demon I was thinking how weird it would be if there was like like a, a next world kind of parallel to this, mm -hmm. you know, like, but in the sense, you know, how there's like, you know, like racism and mm -hmm. homophobia here on earth. If then they're like in the next world, there's like some demons that look down on other demons because they're from like a, like what they consider like an inferior demonic culture. You're like, from, like that weird de demonic racism. The, the demons from the wrong side of the tracks. <laughs> right, right, right. My God. No, well, Interesting I, though, right? Yeah. Well, because I was thinking back to... um 
Where was that shadow person that chased that couple over the wall? Portugal. Portugal. Also on my travel list. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, that was another country, another language. Everything is just a shadow person. So I think that these, I think a djinn is just a shadow person slash demon that it's possesses all, yeah. you. Different I mean, names for the same thing. I think so. Who knows? Who know. knows? But I don't want to find out for sure. Maybe, maybe we have some Islamic listeners that want to tell us about it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. You ready? What, what was the demon called um, that came over with the people from Vietnam? Oh, yeah. Uh, Song Swag, I think. That was a... Um, that was crazy, right? Because it also was related to like a heart condition it, that, that... Yeah, it wasn't Vietnamese. It was, uh, I believe, Laotian. Uh, it's been a little while. I don't while. remember. I don't but remember. But yeah, it's from, that, from Southeast Asia. But still, all this to me, all the uh, same. Demon, demon, demon. Right, right. Are you ready for some more for more scares? No, thanks. <laughs> let's talk about something else. Okay, let's talk about a curse. No, no, let's talk about sparkle ears. Sparkle ears. They're so let's, fun. Let's, 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 well, we'll, we'll talk about sparkle ears at the end. I was just stalling. <laughs> well, okay, there's quite a bit of setup on this one. Okay, so, okay. so some historical setup before we get back into scares. Okay. okay. So you got some time. You got some, some cleanser time. What is the most basic gift you have ever given the moms in your life for Mother's Day? Flowers? A candle, some random knickknack you picked up at the last minute because you completely spaced Mother's Day? I have definitely made the mistake of procrastinating gifts for Mother's Day. And then, like the Friday before, I run to whatever store is open and convince myself that, yes, yes, my mom does need another coffee mug that declares she's the world's (laughs) best. So lame. This year, how about one upping yourself by giving the moms in your life an Aura picture frame? Named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter, Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to any mom at any age. Aura frames connect easily to Wi-Fi and have unlimited storage so you can share as many pictures as you want. This year, as many of you know, I am on a spending freeze, but one of my carve-outs was meaningful gifts for the people I love. I don't want to give all of the moms in our lives something that won't bring them joy. We are giving Aura frames to the moms in our world because they are timeless, heartwarming gifts. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code SCARED at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What are the things that weigh you down on a day-to-day basis? What kind of stress are you holding on to? Do you spend much of your day going over things in your brain over and over until they are so distracting it affects your mental health? Well, don't worry. You're not alone. We all carry different stressors, some big, some small. When we keep things bottled up, the results can be negative. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest without fear or judgment. It's a place to work through what is heavy on your mind and heart so that you can feel lighter and happier. I'm always holding on to something. It's the way my anxious brain works. I'm continually worried that I've done something wrong, that I've hurt the feelings of someone I love, and that I have let someone down. I'm stressed that I'm not being a good enough mom or wife. I panic that our life will implode at any given moment and it'll all be my fault. Thankfully, I have an amazing therapist who helps me talk through each of these scenarios. After each and every appointment, I feel lighter, happier, and more capable of showing up as my most authentic self. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Scared to Death today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Scared to Death. Summer is just around the corner. Who's excited? I know I am. 
With the warmer, sunnier days calling your name, the last place you're going to want to be is in your kitchen, cooking and meal prepping. Make your life easier with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Factors Never Frozen, Always Fresh Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Think of all the extra time you will get outside in the summer sun when you aren't wasting hours in the kitchen. I think I speak for everyone when I say that the summer is the busiest time of the year. We are all trying to cram in as many things as possible, from concerts to vacations and everything in between. With Kyler home from college and Monroe on her break too, I want to spend as much time as possible with them. And while I truly love to cook, the summer is the one time of year that I'm the least interested in doing that for three meals a day. So I lean on Factor to help keep me healthy and in step with my diet. I'm obsessed with the honey yogurt pancakes for breakfast, the pork El Pastor for lunch, and the cilantro lime barramundi for dinner. So easy and saves me so much time. Head to factormeals.com slash scared to death 50 and use code scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code scared to death 50 at factormeals.com slash scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Uh, we're going to talk about the Lemp family curse. Uh, do you believe in the possibility of curses? We've talked about it once before here on the show, New Orleans. Oh, yeah. Just outside oh, yeah. of New Orleans, that mm-hmm. little, uh, little swamp lady. Frenier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lake Pontchartrain. Mm-hmm. Um,. I don't know. You know how some people, there's just always inexplicable, inexplicably bad things happening to them. And, and that kind of is the story. I mean, I, I do think it's possible because there, okay, there's one person who's like always got something going on. It's always a drama, blah, blah, right, blah. Right, right. Like, okay, that's not a curse. That's somebody right. not living their best life. Right, right. Right. But when there's things that can't be explained, like what if all of a sudden like terrible things just started happening to us? Right, right, and and that's and that's is the element of this story. It's like you know, at what point do you start to think like you might be cursed? Right. Uh, the one we did talk about before, yeah, was Julia Brown. Yes, Voodoo Priest is Julia Brown. Yep, just which, us. Which I'm gonna go with that being very true. I know that was a very interesting one. Um, but yeah, this is this this one is not so clear cut. This is not the legend isn't like you know there there is no legend of someone saying like I place a curse on you. Okay. But it's just you know it's it's that thought of like what if bad things started to happen to you and then they lasted for weeks, months, years, more than seem normal. You know how long do you continue to think it's just all a coincidence? Um, you know what ha- what would have to be taken from you, creeps and peepers, before you start to think, oh my god, is my family cursed? Be taken from you. Hmm. Oh yeah, this is a cr- crazy but, story of this family. You'll find out. I don't, I, I, as the story don't goes, don't take my car. It's going to be much worse than that. Uh, <laughs> curse, curses have been mentioned uh, since ancient times in many different cultures. In the Bible, God cursed Adam and Eve after Eve ate from the tree of knowledge. Uh, you know, from a- African American hoodoo curses to the Middle Eastern and Mediterranean belief in the evil eye. Curses have been tossed around for a long, long time. Uh, there's a belief that individuals can be cursed, that families can be cursed. Objects can be uh, allegedly cursed, such as Robert the Doll. Uh, legend has it that ninth U.S. President William Henry Harrison fell victim to the curse of the uh, Tippecanoe, also known as the curse of Tecumseh. He was elected president in 1840, and then he died of typhoid, typhoid fever just a month after being sworn in. First U.S. president to die in office, hmm. and he was supposedly cursed. The supposed curse came from the Battle of Tippecanoe in 1811, cast after Harrison's shady negotiations with the 1809 Treaty of Fort Wayne, in which the Lenape people and other American Indians had been tricked into handing three million acres of land over to the U.S. government. Well, then he deserved to die. The treaty angered Shawnee leader Tecumseh, 
and his forces attacked Harrison's army in the Battle of Tippecanoe. And after the battle, Tecumseh's brother, Tenska Tua, uh, ten, yeah, Tenska Tua, cursed Harrison, this former Revolutionary War officer who was then the territorial governor of Indiana. And of course, his death many years later could have just been a coincidence, but then some attribute it to the curse. But if this or any other curse is real, how are you supposed to get rid of a curse? Well, according to various traditions, you can use an amulet to protect yourself from a curse. I like amulets. Oh my God, I don't have my amulet on. Oh boy. Too oh late, boy, too late. keep talking. No, keep talking. An amulet can be any object that has powerful meaning and is sacred to you, a special piece of jewelry, an heirloom, uh, an important, uh, any important object can be an amulet. Yes, even, even a crystal can be an amulet. Yes, because crystals are powerful. Where do amulets get their power? Well, it depends on the religion or belief system they come out of. They can be blessed by some member of the clergy, for example. They can be created in some type of ritual. And to ward off curses, you should wear the amulet around your neck or keep it in your pocket. Right. It's supposed to touch your flesh. You, you could also try a ritual bath. You could burn incense, mugwort, wormwood, and vetiver, said to be particularly powerful herbs commonly used as incense when it comes to warding off curses or breaking curses. Are you going to be annoyed when you come home and I'm soaking in a bath full of stinky stuff? Mm-hmm. Uh, you're supposed to tie a bundle of these incense sticks together with a piece of string, light it on fire. By the time the bundle is burned completely away, the curse is supposed to be lifted. If that doesn't work, though, those who believe the curses are very real say, say that there's one last thing you can try. You can take a black skull-shaped candle, anoint it with oil, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. burn it for eight nights in a row starting in the, with a full moon, burn the candle for 15 minutes each night while you concentrate on the evil being burned away. On the eighth night, in the crevice of the skull made by the burning wax, place agrimony, dill, rue, five-finger grass, St. John's wort, and wormwood. On top of these herbs, write the sign of Mephistopheles, an entity said to be one of Satan's most powerful demons, the tempter of Faust. Seal this bundle of herbs, marked with this, it's basically a pentagram, with the drippings from a white candle. It's very specific. I want to do that. <laughs> Put this bundle in a gray bag and sprinkle it with graveyard dust. Finally, take this bundle to the graveyard, bury it at night. When you bury the bag, you're also burying your curse or so some believe. Oh my, I would, uh, that sounds like what you have to do. Okay, if you get cursed. So did any member of the supposedly cursed Lemp family of St. Louis ever complete this or any other ritual? It doesn't seem that they did. There isn't even a story that explains the origins of their alleged curse. No meeting with an evil hag, no confront confrontation with some practitioner of voodoo or hoodoo or witchcraft. We don't even know if they were cursed, but they, they're referred to often as a cursed family because it seems like they were cursed. Sorry, I'm having some microphone. I want this thing to stay put. There we go. It doesn't want <laughs> to hear your story. Right, right. Now I, now I tighten this little thing again. Okay. Sorry, guys. Time now for the tale of the Lemp family curse. In 1838, Johann Adam Lemp arrived in St. Louis from Esfaga, Germany. Uh, he ran a small grocery store on Del Mar and Six selling hardware, groceries, and homemade beer. Really good homemade light amber lager. His homemade beer soon became a neighborhood favorite, surpassing typical St. Louis beer at the time, which was dark and heavier in popularity. By 1840, Adam's beer had become so profitable and popular that he closed his grocery store, built a brewery on the edge of town close to where the Gateway Arch stands today in St. Louis. Okay. He attached a pub to the brewery, but before long, the brewery was too small to produce and sell the beer, so he started storing the beer in a network of limestone caves south of the city limits. The caves could be kept cool by chipping ice from the nearby Mississippi River, placing it inside, making conditions perfect for the lager process to run its course. And some now think that Adam 
or one of his descendants found more inside one of these caves than just a cold place to brew and store beer. Clearly. They think that something evil also lurked down there, something maybe they woke up. Lemp's Western Brewing Company was so successful that by the 1850s, it was one of the largest breweries in St. Louis. By the time Adam died in 1862, he was a millionaire, and he'd given his son, William Lemp, a very popular, very profitable brewery to run and expand. Okay. And that's exactly what William did. He bought a five-block lot around the entrance to the limestone caves his father found, began construction on a new and improved plant, which was finished in 1864. And by the 1870s, the Lent Brewery was the most influential brewery in a city becoming increasingly known for beer. Lent beer was the first U.S. beer to be distributed across the nation. Soon after that, it was sold worldwide. William was a happy and successful man. That's so cool. Is this beer still available? No. Oh, okay. He, he was wealthy. And in his late 30s, he not that I not that I believe I don't believe so. Okay, I, I'm just fascinated. Yeah, he, he I mean he became very wealthy in his late 30s. He, he wanted to enjoy the success that both he and his father worked so hard for, so he decided to build a huge mansion, a symbol of the elite status the Lemp family now held in St. Louis. I mean, the son of a grocer, the son of an immigrant, was now you know at one time St. Louis's uh, wealthiest man, and the mansion he would build would be uh, where he and numerous descendants would meet their tragic ends. Yikes. In 1876, William bought a small house near the brewery, began expanding it into a 33-room Victorian mansion. Wow. To make getting to work easier, he built a tunnel from the basement through some of the limestone caves to the brewery. Was this when he said something loose? When mechanical refrigeration became widely available, the tunnels were converted into an extension of the family's living space. A theater, a large swimming pool, even a bowling alley were all built underground. The Lamp family had it all. And then tragedy struck. In 1901, William's fourth son, Frederick, who he'd groomed to be heir to the Lemp Empire, died at the young age of 28. No, why? Frederick had always been more prone to illness than most, but no matter how sick he got, he always recovered. And then in 1901, he didn't recover. He died of heart failure before he even turned 30. His father, William, was devastated. He would never be the same after his son's death. He was rarely seen in public from 1901 on. Then in 1904, William's best friend, Frederick Pabst, the man who the Pabst Brewing Company is named after, also died unexpectedly. William took this death extremely hard as well. Employees of the Lent Brewing Company said that after Pabst's death on January 1st, William began arriving to work looking dirtier, more disheveled than the day before, increasingly pale and distant. He looked haunted. And then on February 13th, 1904, William did the unthinkable. This wealthy and powerful beer baron shot himself in the head. Why? The Lemps, afraid of what St. Louis society might say about William's suicide, they didn't know why he did it, basically ignored his death. They just carried on as if nothing had happened. That's weird. William's eldest son, William Jr., took over as the new president of the Lemp Brewing Company, inheriting the vast fortune which he and his wife Lillian began lavishly spending immediately. Uh-oh. William Jr. and Lillian filled the Lent Mansion with expensive art and expensive furniture. They bought carriages and hired servants. Lillian became known around town as the Lavender Lady for dressing only in lavender, even having her horses dyed lavender to match her dresses. Okay. William began to throw, this is William the, you know, uh, Jr., began to throw extravagant hedonistic parties in the old caves below below the Lemp Mansion, inviting single women over for the entertainment, quote-unquote, of his friends. Rumors of orgies and drug use and other debauchery soon spread around town. William's decadent lifestyle caught up to him when a woman approached him a few months after a particular party and told him that he had impregnated her 
and then she went on to have his son. Mm-hmm. To be clear, there's no documentation that this boy was Williams or that he even existed. Just a lot of old rumors and hearsay. But according to these rumors, William paid this woman to keep quiet about his indiscretion and also agreed to raise the boy. Afraid that he would be ostracized by his high-class peers, William is said to have hidden this boy inside the mansion, where the boy would remain hidden for his entire life. How is that possible? According to legend, it makes a little more sense here in a moment, he was raised in the attic, rarely saw sunlight. According to some women claiming to be this poor child's nanny, women interviewed years later, the boy had severe developmental disabilities, needed constant care, and William was embarrassed by him. Lillian, angered by her husband's philandering, also ashamed of this boy, consoled herself by frivolously wasting much of the family fortune, spending giant sums of money without consulting her husband. Eventually, William had enough of Lillian's financial recklessness and in 1906 divorced her, which caused quite the scandal in St. Louis back in the days when divorces were much more rare, especially high society divorces. Crowd shut. You're hearing. Sorry. uh, Stop. You're hearing the sounds of these things pick up a lot more sound. You're hearing traffic. My God, it was freaking me out. I know, I out. continue to look around. It's just, you just got to get used to a different headset. <laughs> okay. You ready? Uh-huh. Let's pick this story back up. Eventually, William had enough of Lillian's recklessness, right? Divorced her, caused a scandal back when the high society divorces were rare. Crowd showed up to the courthouse each day to listen to the couple's conflicting stories about violence, drunkenness, and infidelity. Divorces were public hearings? Yeah, I mean, you can go to a lot of, like, courthouses. This is back in the days when, you know, there, was, there wasn't TV. Right, right, right. Right? There was a lot less entertainment, so this was a big deal. Okay. Dynamic, you know, party. It was the talk of the town. Sure. Uh, with William distracted by this divorce, his family business began to fail. By World War One, because none of the brewery's technology had been updated for years, due to most of their existing equipment now falling apart from neglect, William was barely making a profit. Then, when the 18th Amendment passed in 1919... Oh, yeah. Beginning America's, you know, anti-alcohol prohibition experiment, William was forced to shut down the entire company. Oh, man, and they're broke. Family's financial future looking very bleak suddenly. You know, they, they quickly went from local business leaders to sad has-beens. Uh. Invitations to high society parties now dry up. Lavish spending sprees come to a stop. And Adam Lem's descendants suddenly have nothing but time to sit and reflect on their new sorry state of affairs. And in the following year, March 20th, 1920, William's sister Elsa... Elsa Lamprite shoots herself in the head just like her father had done 16 years before. When the news of his sister's death reached William, he reportedly only shrugged and said, well, that's the Lamp family for you. And then two years later, on December 28th, 1922, William shot himself in the head as well. What the fuck? Dying in the very same building in the same manner as his father had died 18 years before. Then two decades later, in 1943, William Lemp III, William Jr.'s son, died of a heart attack at the age of 42, and the Lemp dynasty was over. And what became of the boy in the attic? It's said that he lived until the late 1940s, then also died in the same mansion built atop these old caves. He died when the mansion was owned by William Jr.'s brother, Charles. Despite being kept in the attic almost his entire life, the boy was healthy, something Charles killed him. Did he, or did he kill himself as well? We'll never know. In April of 1941, Charles Lemp sent a letter to a funeral home requesting that in case of his death, his remains should be taken by ambulance to Missouri Crematory. He laid out very specific instructions that his body should not be bathed, clothed, or changed. That's so weird. As for his ashes, he instructed that they be put into a wicker box and buried on his farm. 
very specific instructions that he think having his remains disposed of in this way might break the Lamp family curse. That's what some believe. Just weeks after laying out these uh, detailed instructions on May 9th, 18, or excuse me, 1941, Charles wrote on a slip of paper, in case I am found dead, blame it on no one but me, Charles A. Lemp. Then after writing this, Charles went down into the basement of the mansion, down into the basement attached to the old caves found by his grandfather. He shot and killed his beloved Doberman Pinscher. Oh my God. The dog was found on the stairs trying to make it back out of the basement oh. with its final steps. Oh my God, that's so sad. Then like his brother, sister, and father before him, he shot himself in the head. The cursed Lemp mansion then passed to Charles and William Jr.'s other brother, Edwin. And Edwin refused to live in this haunted home. Yeah, I, I can't blame him. And then check this out. Many years later, shortly before he died in 1970 at the age of 90, he left final instructions to his caretaker to have all of the Lemp family heirlooms be destroyed. But why? Why? To ensure that the curse would finally be broken? Again, uh, how did the Lemp family even get cursed in the first place? Did Johann Adam Lemp, the original Lemp patriarch, bring the curse with him from Germany? In the 19th century, casting curses was common in Germany. Did he cross the wrong person? The year after Charles's suicide, the final suicide in the uh, Lemp mansion, yeah. the mansion was turned into a boarding house. Huh. 1975, it was then purchased by Dick Pointer, great name, uh, <laughs> who converted it into a restaurant and hotel. And it's still in use in that uh, sense today. Is it haunted? Yes. There have been reportings of hauntings ever since the Lemps left, as if the Lemps didn't leave when they died. Are they still there, trapped with whatever they may have found in those caves? Over the past several decades, guests have consistently noticed three areas in the hotel in which sudden unexplained phenomena have manifested themselves. Okay, like what? Strange shadows have been witnessed, whispers have been heard, and cold spots have been felt on the stairway, in the attic, and in what's called the Gates of Hell. That's a hotel staff nickname for the entrance to the caves beneath the mansion. I would not. Nope. The attic is said to be haunted by William Jr.'s illegitimate son. Guests have seen a boy's face peering from the small, highest window of the mansion. One investigator left toys in a corner of the room and the next day found the toys scattered around the middle of the room. Nope. Laid out as if someone had been playing with them throughout the night. Nope. No thank you. Numerous spirits are thought to haunt the stairs. On the staircase, guests have seen candles light on their own and heard soft, disembodied voices. Uh. They've heard the clip-clop, clip-clop of phantom hooves just outside the mansion. They felt lightheaded and dizzy, as though they'd been to one of William Jr.'s parties where they had too much to drink. Sections of the old cave system below the old Lemp Mansion and the Lemp Brewery are currently either sealed off or at least closed to the public. Why? What's down there? Visitors in the basement have heard strange whisperings, experienced the intense sensation of something following them, and in general have wanted to return upstairs as quickly as possible, reported, reporting feeling the presence of something menacing, something angry and evil. Spirits have also been sent, uh, seen elsewhere around the home. Early one morning, an employee named Bonnie Strayhorn opened the restaurant alone, making sure everything was ready for their lunch service. Yeah. When she turned on the light, she noticed a man sitting in the restaurant. He was facing away from her. But she could see that he had dark hair, was wearing a long black coat. No, 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 She was obviously surprised to see him in the restaurant before it opened, but initially not terribly alarmed. She assumed he was a hotel guest, you know, come in, you know, before the restaurant opened, and she asked him if he wanted a cup of coffee, and he didn't respond. She walked towards him, and right when she was almost standing next to him, he grabbed her! Dang it, I was hoping this would scare you. 
<laughs> but this all did happen. Uh, she, she heard a loud. He did grab her. No, no, he didn't. He didn't oh. grab her. Uh, but she did hear a loud noise. You were getting so tense. I was hoping to spook you. But she heard a she heard a loud noise um, behind her. Looked back there for a moment. Yeah. And when she turned around, this guy was completely gone. This guy she yeah. was almost touching. Uh, this scared Bonnie so bad she did quit that day. Fuck yeah. She was out. Bonnie got the fuck out. She was not a dare. She was out of there. Right. She's smart. She's she seems like the only smart person in this fucking story. Bonnie, many other employees have noted that even when outright paranormal activity is not manifesting, you're still left with an uneasy feeling that something is watching you. Painters, unable to turn away from the work out of fear of messing up, have felt something graze the back of their necks on numerous <sighs> occasions. Numerous guests have reported that when they're locked alone in one of the mansion's bathrooms, they could not shake the disturbing feeling that they were not alone in the room. Who else is there? One of the limps? Several of the limps? Did an old curse not only lead to their deaths, but has it also trapped their spirits in this mansion? Or is something still there that has been there since long before the limps? Something from the caves. If you really want to find out, you can always contact the current owners and you can arrange to stay the night in Lemp Mansion. No, thank you. Yeek. Yeah, I got a lot of chills in that story. The only thing that throws me is that there's no, uh, like, they were, and so-and-so cursed them. Right, there is no, they're, it's called the, cur- the, the curse, you know, uh, the cursed Lemp Mansion. Yeah. Or the, you know, the, the Lemp family curse. Yeah. Because of the suicides carried out in the same manner. But they could all And other been, strange details. They could have all been mentally ill. True, true. There's always those uh, possibilities in these stories. I'm going to go Just with Just a that. lot in one family tree. Uh, here's it a, is hereditary. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Here's a picture of Adam Lemp, the, the patriarch of the family. A very distinguished man. Mm-hmm. Joe was cracking up about how he had to ha- hold his hand upright and kind of float, you know, steady for the photo. Uh, this next one is an article on William Lemp Jr.'s suicide, you know, from St. Louis at the time. Okay, okay. So, you know, front page news. And this next picture is Lillian Lemp, another family member who committed suicide. Okay. And then uh, article on Elsa Lemp. Um, they're actually Lillian. Now I'm questioning all the names. I don't remember if Lillian committed suicide or not. I think oh, no. I, I did know, you get I know, it mixed up? I know, I know Elsa did. Well, I know she, I, I know Lillian's like a family member, but I'm like, did she commit suicide? Uh, and then, and then the last one is Charles Lemp's strange suicide note where, you know, don't blame anybody oh, but he, me. Yeah, no, that is a really, really weird with note. The, with the specific instructions for his death. Which again, none of this stuff, you know, none of these things are ever total concrete scientific proof. Right. Just a lot of weird stuff happened in that mansion and then a lot of, you know, strange sightings since. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought, but I thought both of today's stories were, you know, they weren't like the first person throughout, like, oh my God, this big build, um, like some of the exorcism specifically tales can be, some of the haunting tales can be. Right. But it is just kind of interesting when, you know, like people when they're historically documented or when they come from a place in the world with, you know, centuries of the same legend. I just thought it was a nice kind of change of pace today. You know, just intriguing in addition to being creepy. The first one was way creepier. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I I think so too, actually. I think so too. I just feel like I can explain away the Lem family. Mm, mm -hmm. You know, like, okay, mental illness. I mean, especially like the, the beginnings of it. You know, we're like big family, right. big money, or, you know, like yeah. everything is great. And then they were reckless and, you know, went from being up here to. As, as much as you can explain it away, though, I bet there's no way you'd want to spend a night in those caves. Well, no, no, because 
of the workers saying that like, oh, things happen. You know, like the tickle on the back and of the neck. And now that those people have done that stuff, I mean, I, I, would, I would guess that you would be worried that their spirits could be in the area still. I would think like the, 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 the limps, the, the spirit of the limps who killed themselves in that yeah. home in the area, like their spirits could be down in the cave or something. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that that's what the people who work at the mansion like now are feeling. saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What if there was some creature down there? That's where my mind goes. What if there's some weird, creepy I don't think so, because nobody's reported that. Maybe he's, maybe he's sneaky. Eh, somebody would have had to have seen something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. And now you said you have, uh, I feel like yours are going to be more traditionally terrifying. They feel pretty terrifying to me, I have to say. Uh, I was working on them last night mm-hmm. at home, which I am not supposed to do, as we all know. I just, I never have time to get to them during like our normal work day. Mm-hmm. You would think that I would have learned. So I have three stories. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty. <sighs> okay. You ready? Uh, are you ready to have your squishy? I do. I have my squishy right in front of me. Now, I, I just remembered that somebody, uh, in Las Vegas, where we were this past weekend for your yeah. stand-up shows, gave you a stuffed animal and uh, I forgot to bring it to the oh, studio. Okay. A little stuffed banana <laughs> that you're supposed to snuggle during these I, scary moments. I think, I think I'm going to stick with the skull. Banana feels too, doesn't feel tonally appropriate, but I appreciate the gift. I appreciate the. It's pretty funny. <laughs> I like it. Um, okay, so yesterday I was at home working on these, and when I started to read the email, the, the a couple lines in the writer says, like, I really like pressed my aunt to tell me the story when I was a child, and I regretted yeah. it then, and even telling it to you now, like, I regret that. So then Ooh. I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't read this. And as I was reading that first paragraph, I yeah. had some candles lit in our house. We've just had some work done in our house and that kind of smells like paint. So whatever. And I'm like, what's that smell? And we oh, have this. Oh yeah. That one, that's what yeah. happened. And so we have um, these two candles that sit on our dining room table and they, the candle itself sits in a tall glass. You know, it's just like how you buy it from, it's just from the store. Like, mm-hmm. you know, a poured glass candle. It's not like a like a votive that I placed in something, right? Yeah. Okay, glass candle contained. And then that is inside of another glass box that has like some like decorative greenery kind of stuff around it. Somehow the candle, if you can imagine this like being the candle, the flame is like pretty far down in here because the candle has burned down. Okay. And this glass thing comes up higher than it. But the greenery, if the flame is up here, the greenery is down here. Like I'm yeah. very cognizant of it. The fucking greenery caught on fire. Yeah. I was like yeah. sitting at the kitchen table and I'm like, oh my God. And I look around and the the entire first floor is filling with smoke. Uh, it's so intense. The fire alarms are not going off. I know that's a problem. Super freaked out. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I put it out and I mean, everything's fine, but I, it was not a good way to start writing these stories. <laughs> I was like, what is in our fucking house trying to burn it down? Don't burn our house down, monsters. Please don't do it. Um, okay. So this email comes in and says, I've been listening to dance comedy since Revenge is Near. A long and, time. Yeah, long time fan. That's even before my time with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been listening to Time Suck and Scared to Death since the beginning. Love them all and love you guys. Hope you Thank enjoy. You. Hope you enjoy this story from the backwoods. My aunt Mary first told me this story after a great deal of pestering when I was 12 years old, and I really wish she hadn't told me. (laughs) I couldn't sleep for nearly a week after she told me this story, and it even spooks me today more than a decade later. 
Okay, is okay super I'm excited. Spooky. In July of 1988, the summer after high school graduation, Mary and her high school sweetie, my uncle Dennis, took a road trip in Dennis's car, who they called Peggy. Okay, so Peggy is the car. Oh, oh, got it, got it, got it. Mm-hmm. I was confused. Okay, got it. Yeah, Peggy's the car. Peggy's the car. Dennis and so, then Mary. Mary and Dennis, car, Peggy. Peggy, okay. Okay. From their home in Fredericktown, Maryland, to get settled in their yeah. new apartment in Nashville, Tennessee, where they would be attending Vanderbilt in the fall. They had allotted five days for travel in order to stop and see several friends and places of interest along the way. Okay. They would end up reaching Nashville in less than two days, all because of a motel in rural West Virginia. <laughs> okay. After driving for almost eight... God, I sorry. I know this route, too, like roughly. You do? Uh, yeah, because I flew... I had a, many years ago, had shows in Huntington, um... Uh, yeah, Huntington, West Virginia. Yeah, and I think I'm not. I'm, like, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm stopping on the name because I know I have shows coming up in Huntington Beach. I'm like, am I just making up Huntington, West Virginia? But I'm I'm not. Um, and you have to drive through yeah Western Maryland, and I did it like late at night. It was one of those things where I flew in the night before, got in at, like midnight, and then had like two or three hours to drive to get to where I was going. And it is so dark, and the th- forest is so thick. And there's these, you know, little towns that if you really thought about, I mean, it's pretty sad. It's kind of like rural poverty. Yeah. It's like old, you know, coal mining towns and Mm -hmm. different things where the mine went away or whatever. And so it's a lot of dilapidated buildings, a lot of people on, you know, like have real hard times. Yeah. And when you're driving through an area there late at night, it is fucking scary. Well, this is going to fucking get you. That area is the only place I've ever, I pulled over to get gas, like uh, in the middle of the night. And there was way too many people loitering around the gas station that just gave me the creeps at like two in the morning i pulled out just looked around and just went nope and then just shut the door and just hope that i had enough gas to make it to the next get which i did but i'm like it's the only time in my life i've just got back in and like i'm not even gonna get gas here no shit yeah it creeped me out so this is yeah this is a th- this part of the country especially late at night it can get real dark and like <laughs> not the kind of backwoods you want to be lost in Well, prepare yourself. Okay. Because we're about to validate everything you just said. Uh, Okay. After driving for almost 18 hours straight, Mary and Dennis decided to pull off in a town so small, it could realistically be called a hamlet or a village Mm -hmm. to see if they could find a place to sleep at least for a few hours. According to my aunt, the town, whose name I never learned, had an unsettling energy about it. And with no street lamps illuminating the town, Dennis decided to simply pull into an apparently empty lot, intending to sleep in the car. Having parked, however, the car was approached by a man wearing a badge, which identified him as a local sheriff's deputy, and asked them what they were doing. Mm -hmm. Upon hearing my uncle's explanation, the deputy simply smiled and suggested the pair check into the local inn and pointed to the back of a dark lot. Following the deputy's gesture, Mary and Dennis noticed a small motel, dimly visible in the half-light of the moon. Being reasonable people and exhausted from the journey, they simply assumed that they hadn't seen the motel earlier and moved the car closer to the building to check in. Inside the motel, it seemed rather well-furnished and agreeable for a small town, Mm -hmm. and Mary noticed many nice paintings in the lobby as Dennis paid for accommodations. The two made for the door the two made for the door to get some sleep, but Dennis turned back to ask the receptionist what time checkout was, and the young woman had somehow just disappeared. Assuming she had gone to the back room and frankly being too tired to care, he followed my aunt to their bedroom. 
Walking out around the front of the building to get to the room, they both later realized they could hear their own footsteps, but nothing else. No crickets, no birds, no wind, nothing. The air itself seems to have a heavy, cold darkness to it. Neither of them put much stock into the supernatural, but both remark on the unusually chilly night in July in West Virginia. Right. Being tired and road sore, they ignore any nagging misgivings they have. They made it into bed at about 11.30 p.m. without too much trouble. At 1.30 a.m., they are awoken by the room telephone ringing loudly. Dennis managed to find it and answered in the darkness, but heard nothing but the static, normal-to-phones of that era. He hung it up, and the two went back to sleep. Then, less than 30 minutes later, the same phenomena occurs again. Answer. Just static. Weird. This time, however, my aunt struggles to fall back asleep, as the temperature in the room seems to have dropped several degrees, and Dennis is not a cuddly sleeper. Because of this, she is awoke ten minutes later when the phone rings again. This time it seems louder than ever, and my uncle is clearly agitated. He simply picks up and slams the phone back down, certain this time is no different, and perhaps... Sorry, I feel like something weird just happened. Huh. Nope. He picks up the phone and slams it back down, certain this time is no different, and perhaps the bruiseness of his response might be an end to the calls. But, to be sure, Dennis pulls the phone cords out of the wall entirely. However, he too feels the uncomfortable chills now, and the two snuggle closely together in bleary Mm. discomfort. Neither of them can quite believe what would happen next. The telephone... Oh my god, they pulled the cord out of the wall. Completely unconnected from the phone lines and power lines begins to ring even more loudly than it had yet before. Both my aunt and my uncle are a mixture of astonished and notably frightened now. Yeah. My uncle, against his better judgment, untangles himself from the fearful embrace of my aunt and answers the (laughs) phone quickly. Hello? Hello, Dennis. What? Comes the whispered reply. My uncle is utterly terrified by this and throws the phone across the dark room, hearing it crash against the far wall. My aunt, in her own words, on the verge of tears at this point, tries to find the light switch, hoping the light might make her feel a little bit safer, although it does not. She finds the light switch, and right as she flips it on, just for an instant, she sees several humanoid figures all around the motel room. She said they were dark and hard to define but definitely human in shape. She screamed in terror and they were gone as soon as the scream left her lips. Dennis ran to her in a blind panic, holding her tight to comfort himself just as much as her. Suddenly the air around them is freezing and they swear they can see their breath in front of them. This time both Dennis and Mary hear the whisper, both Dennis and Mary hear a whisper come before them. Come home children, the voice cooed, apparently attempting to be tender. At this, Mary and Dennis are completely terrified and in tears, and they run out of the hotel, into their car, leaving behind their shoes and clothes that they had been wearing earlier. They reach the car, and my uncle red-lined poor Peggy till sunrise. That's a quote. (laughs) According to my aunt, she was sobbing. Red-lined poor Peggy till sunrise. Yeah, pedal to the floor. Yep. She was sobbing most of the time of the the drive out of there. Finally, around 7.30, Dennis pulled into a truck stop diner, hoping coffee would help his nerves. Yeah. Still shaken, he held Mary tightly, trying to coax her out of a horrified state. 
Eventually, Mary stopped crying, and the two went into the diner to get breakfast. In the terror of the night, they had forgotten their exhaustion, and it had been replaced by ravenous hunger. They ordered huge platters of eggs and bacon and sausage, toast, pancakes, and coffee by the quart. After over an hour of eating, around nine (laughs) in the morning, the two had finally calmed down enough to take a moment and ask each other and themselves what had they had just been through. What did it say to you? Mary asked. It, it, it said my name, Dennis replied. Suddenly, a horrifying, a horrifyingly familiar sound split the air in the lazy diner. The payphone at the end of the bar was ringing. What? It rang four times before the waitress picked it up. She listened for a minute before turning to the customers and calling out, Is there a Mary in here? Mary immediately began to whimper while Dennis stared in disbelief. How could this thing know where they were? The two left some bills on the table, quickly returned to their car, where they drove nonstop except to get gas until they reached Nashville. My aunt and uncle never returned to West Virginia, and my uncle was actually so disturbed by the ringing of the phones that he believed he could hear them when none were around and required anti-anxiety drugs. Oh my God. For a few years afterward, until his death in 2004 from a heart attack. She passed away five years ago, but I have never once doubted that she and my uncle were forever changed by whatever happened to them in that little motel. Thanks for reading. Keep up the sucking. Always fun. DJ. Wow. Thanks, DJ. That is, I mean, they're already so scared enough. I, I, now I'm just like, I, I wish, I understand why she didn't. But I wish Mary would have answered the phone in that diner. Are you kidding me? No. The curiosity. What, what would it have said to her? You wouldn't answer the phone? No. I would have. I would have just run for my fucking life like they did. Take me to Vanderbilt. <laughs> I would want to know what, what, what's it going to say. Come oh. home, children. Oh, right. Something like that. I mean, what? that's what it said earlier. Well, it said, it said, earlier, it just said, it said, hi, Dennis. And then the second time, when she saw the, the humanoids, they heard a whispering voice say, come Right, home, right, right, children. right, right. That just came out of the ether, right out of the air. Yeah. Yeek. That was a, that was a great story. That was it's a scary one. It's a great story. It's terrifying. That is terrifying. Yikes. I, th- I, I thought that was going to go in a very different direction. For some reason, I thought they were going to have some weird stuff. And then after they left, they were going to try to like look back into that hotel later and find out that it had been closed for like 30 years or something. Well, that is a weird thing about like they were in that parking lot. Yeah. And they didn't see it. And then they were totally guided to it. Right, right. Oh, my God. I'm just picturing like, I mean, some of those little like way off the grid or like backwards little towns, middle of the night. I mean. Fuck. Oh, man. No, thank you. Staying Mm-mm. in some little inn or motel, you know, that you don't. That you just kind of like randomly find. Nope. Ugh. Yeek. Gives me the chills just thinking about it. Mm-hmm. When I, when I toured early on, and had to like drive to a lot more gigs and like a lot of like bar gigs and stuff. Mine were more in the Northwest, but there's little towns in Northern Nevada, um, Battle Mountain and then Elko, but mostly Battle Mountain. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, and I remember doing that there one time, just like, you know, just grabbing a motel randomly just uh, one night. And <laughs> like the, the person working the late night shifts <laughs> right in right. like a battle mountain nevada kind of motel yeah like like in like the the bottom class of you know accommodations yeah you know they, they can be fine obviously that's not sure, their, but, sure. but but that but that job is also going to attract the creepiest motherfuckers ever mm-hmm. people who just they never see the light like they sleep during the daylight hours you know they're they stay up the night and it's like so many questions i mean just such a weird life 
to you're already in a small, out-of-the-way, kind of depressed town. Right. And then the job you have is to be awake when the few other people that live there aren't even awake. Well, there's a reason why it's stereotyped like that in all movies. Right. There's a certain kind of person, again, not always, but that is attracted to that job, somebody who's usually a little different. Socially, that's so. That's such a lovely way to say that. A character, as my mom would say, <laughs> aren't they a character? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. A yes. murderer. A murderous kind of looking character. Oof, oof. Spooky. 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 Oh man, I'm too old. I don't even know what that. I don't means. even know what spooky means. I said it because you said it. I know. Well, I I said it because somebody else younger than me told me to say it. Spooky AF. <laughs> I don't think that's how you use it. Yeah, it is. That's how the cool kids do it. Oh, okay. Um. Okay. So the second story is short, but not at all sweet. Okay. Um, there's a small video to go with it. That oh. So I'm going to read you the story, and then producer Joe is going to oh, play man. this video for you. Now, you guys are weirded out by this video. So weirded out. Now, I do have to say yesterday, um, because the email is just, I mean, it's very short. I saw the video, and I just was like, oh, I'm just going to watch it first. So I watched it and was like, mm-hmm. there's nothing scary about this. And then I read the email and was like, what the fuck? Okay, so you got to get the email for it. Okay. Okay. Okay, I'm ready. Okay. Hello, king and queen of all that is creepy and terrifying. (laughs) First, I want to say I absolutely love you guys. Started listening to Time Suck in early 2017, starting with the Walmart suck. So naturally, I had an interest in scared to death. So this story (laughs) is going to uh, be pretty short, but I felt the need to share. The story starts about four months ago. Okay. One night, I was lying awake in bed, drifting in and out of sleep, when I would be awoken by what sounded like a small rodent scratching on the floor in the attic, thinking nothing of it and falling asleep, right? I mean, I've heard types, those, we've all heard that kind of sound, right? Now, my wife and I are not scared by these types of events, so we just brushed it off. Various other things would happen over the next four months, such as more scratching, Cups falling off the counter. Yeah. Strange balls of light on my daughter's baby monitor. But we were fine with all of this because we felt like we could explain it all away until this moment. Okay. I was out of town for work when my wife came home and videotaped our dogs as she walked in the door, which is something I do all the time. Like, Penny, Ginger. Right, right. right. Okay. She sends me the video and I see something that changed my outlook on this entire situation forever. I call her and say, What was that in the background walking by in the hallway? And she says, nothing. I'm home alone. I told her, call the cops and get the fuck out of there. Good job, GTFO. Yep, yep. She asked why, and I told her, watch that video once you get outside and you're safe. The cops show up, they do a sweep of the house, and they find absolutely fucking no one in the house. Okay. To this day, we still hear shit, and we feel like someone is with us. I know I could be criticized Uh. for the video, but I don't give a fuck. (laughs) I I don't know what this is. Thanks for reading the email. Can't wait to hear more spooky stories. Apparition is seen about two to three second mark. Logan. So now you're going to watch this and just let me lay it out for you. It's it's exactly what you think. She's walking in the house. She's taking a video of her dogs. And then you're going to see something cross the hallway. Okay. And so that's why it's terrifying is because there's not supposed to be anything else there. There is no one home. Her husband is out of town. And the only animals are... She didn't even see it. If she would not have even sent this video to Logan... And there's no reference to another animal. There's just like... No, no, you're going to see. Okay. okay, Joe, we're ready for the video. Oh, buddy. Okay, watch for it to go in the down the hallway in the back. Just watch it to go across. Here come the dogs. Okay. And... Oh! Whoa! Joe, do it again. Whoa. Yeah. So there, at the very least, there was an intruder in that house. Yeah. 
Joe, can you show it one yeah. more time? Yeah, he has to cue it up. Takes yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, it, it was. Oh, here we go. Here okay. we go. Let's watch this video again. Oh, my God. Dogs are coming down the hall. No one's supposed to. God. I mean, some, somebody definitely, something or somebody. Well, the police, uh, the police came and swept the house. No right. one was there. So they, so they either got out before the police came, an intruder, which is also terrifying that you just had some dude in your house. Wait, or look, there look, is. Look, look at Joe's doing a. I mean, that's a human. Humanoid. It, humanoid. or ugh. Isn't that Yikes. fucking terrifying? That's creepy. Uh-huh. I don't know which one I would rather it be, too. It's like if I had to pick, it's like I don't want some demony thing in my house, but I sure shit don't want some random fucking dude in my house either. But at least like a dude, you can like get like an alarm system. You know, they can check the neighborhood for break-ins. You can get cameras on your house. Yeah. A, like a humanoid apparition. Right. <laughs> I just saw my own shadow. I, I, saw some, I was like, what? Yourself. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm telling you, these stories made me so edgy yeah yeah but again, like i just thought it was so i was cracking myself up because i watched like i said i watched the video first i'm like no yeah, big no, deal. No big Our deal. Husband's just, yeah exactly and then i read it and was like oh e- my fuck yeah yikes can you handle one more i can i can can you one more i okay, can okay that was a good that was a good Ooh. that video made it good yeah yeah otherwise the story is nothing right right, right? you have to have that the video. video yeah all right hey dan and Lindsay, huge fans of both scared to death and time suck Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I listen to both each week while working out and have been wanting to send this story in for a few weeks. It is certainly not the scariest story that someone has shared on your podcast, but it is the only story anyone in my family has, and we have yet to be able to explain it. Okay. Technically, this is my youngest brother's story. Now, I'm a creeper who grew up in a house of peepers. <laughs> my entire family will enjoy a scary movie or story every now and again, but they are pretty grounded and don't live in the world of horror like I do. Okay. Uh, I got hooked on horror in high school and have been ever since, and I feel like this matters because my family is not the type to indulge in a ridiculous story okay. or make something up for fun and stick to it for any meaningful amount of time. Again, they're pretty grounded. Yeah. I forgot that I decided to add this story in. Okay. Okay. This excited. Is, I'm so excited because I was referencing it earlier. Now, a tiny bit of background to set the scene. We live outside a small town in Illinois. Think cornfields. Miles and miles and miles of okay. cornfields. About five or six years ago, my brother John was on his way home from working a late shift. And uh, it was early December. And on that p- particular night, he would be the only one home. Okay. My mom was working, my dad was out of town, and the rest of us were at our respective colleges. This particular night, it was very wet and foggy outside, not much visibility on the road, and quite cold. He was driving back on the back, he was driving home on the back roads, meaning almost no houses anywhere, yeah. certainly no streetlights, and absolutely no other cars. He says that all of a sudden, he came upon a figure standing in the middle of the road. Uh, oh, yeah. He was. He slammed the brakes and swerved, missing it by a few feet and coming to a stop. It scared the absolute shit out of him, and for a moment he just sat there. He looked over at the figure that stood still in the road. He said it was pale, a young woman with long, dark hair, wearing what looked like to be a white nightgown. She was barefoot and should have been freezing. He said she didn't even react to almost getting hit by the car. She was standing perfectly still. And then after a second of just staring at her, he said she turned her head, looked over at him, 
completely expressionless, and then walked off casually to the side of the road into the corn fields and fog. Uh. And he lost, he lost all sight of her. He said the entire thing was not just surreal, but terrifying. He said he was just too scared to get out of the car and check on her and instead sped home and called our dad. Now, our dad was actually a retired police officer. And after telling him what had happened, our dad called his old dispatcher. And after convincing her that this wasn't some kind of joke, they sent out a deputy to the exact spot to see if they could find anyone. It wasn't hard to find the spot given that skid marks were on the road. Not only did the deputy not find the woman, she could find no footprints in the mud nearby or any sign of anything happening other than a car swerving. Yeah. This spot also happened to be miles away from the nearest home. Before sending in this story, I decided to call my dad and ask him if over the years any details of the story had ever changed. Yeah. Has John ever told it different in any way? He said, no, John tells it the same every time and he gets himself worked up (laughs) every time he tells it. But he did say that a while ago, something had occurred to him that he had previously forgotten about. My dad said that about probably 20 years ago, there had been a house somewhere in the area that John had seen the woman. He knows because the family that had lived there had a bad reputation around town. Yeah. Apparently, the dad was abusive. And after a particularly bad fight, his daughter went out to the driveway and shot and killed herself. Oh, my God. After that, the rest of the family moved leaving the house to be bought by a local farmer and then demolished for the land. My siblings and I would all have been little kids and wouldn't remember any of that nasty town gossip. Make what you will of this story. The young woman could have easily been on drugs or experiencing a fugue state due to mental illness. She possibly could have wandered for miles. But no reports of a missing woman were filed around the time, and my dad's old contacts never mentioned anyone being taken to the hospital with something that would match that description. John has never seen her or anything like it since. Thanks for all your time and hard work. Keep on sucking and scaring <laughs> your loyal sucker creeper, Scott. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. Man. Yeah, that there's something especially disturbing, like the like the um the one in Hawaii, you know, a few weeks ago. Yeah. That one had like more of like a, a you know, monstrous elements where the thing we know was like aggressive and coming from that girl. Yeah, yeah. But then like this story here, it's just um that that is like when you you know if you've ever I, I I've I've driven alone at night many times mostly yeah. like younger in my life yeah me too so, I don't, why is that well for me it was a lot of uh, just touring uh, oh, just yeah. that type of touring like early on in stand up and when yeah you're in, in that in and of itself is just kind of eerie yeah especially when you're outside the city especially when like a lonely stretch of highway or on like mm-hmm, an old country mm-hmm, road. Mm-hmm. And there is nothing else around. You don't even have like the headlights coming up, you know, because it's not heavily trafficked. Right. And just the thought of seeing a random <gasps> person out there is so disturbing because why would they be there? Why would they be there? And if like, especially why would they be there with no vehicle? Why would they be there? Like <sighs> who just walks way out into the middle of nowhere? Um, yeah, it's, it's very, very strange. It always like makes me think about... Um, when we lived in LA, uh, you know, I worked in production, right? Mm-hmm. And there would be times that, like my time call, I'd have to be on set at like four in the morning right. and you would have to drive, you know, far away. You were probably doing some like exterior shot. And so you'd be on the 101 or whatever. And that was especially creepy because there wouldn't be anybody out. There'd right. be like two cars right. and that would really freak me out. And then you'd get off and you'd be winding around some canyons and just yeah. all the time I'm like, something's going to get me. 
always. I always have that thought. Right. So yeah, something's gonna get me. I, I'm cracking up a little bit just because I we just you know I just had some shows. Obviously, you were down there too in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. and uh, recently. And when we were down in Vegas, you know those those people I hadn't seen since high school showed up at one oh, of the yeah. shows, and and we were reminiscing about a kid I went to high school with. Uh, I'll leave his name out of it, but this kid I went to high school with who was you know different went to this little tiny you know Riggins Idaho uh, high school. Yeah, and he was um he was he was very fast, mm-hmm. and he was like uh kind of like one trick athleticism. Okay, all he had was a lot of speed, mm-hmm. and so for small town football, you know he would do one football. It's like you know run the outside and just go fast, right? You know in basketball, not a good shot, not a good dribbling, but like. You know, maybe good at defense because he could just get down there so quick. Right. And so he would, and he was, you know, good at track. And so he would kind of just, you know, train randomly. And he was, yeah, he's a little, little off. Mm-hmm. And he would just go for runs in the middle of the night outside of Riggins, Idaho, like out in the dark. That's a terrible idea. Terrible idea. He would like literally run up the mountainside and back down the mountainside in the middle of the night. And then sometimes, <laughs> oh my God. you know, the way people live in uh, Riggins, you know, there's there's some people in town and then. There's kids that go to school in Riggins that, you know, from, you know, 30 miles outside of town on one side. Right. And then you go 20 miles the other way. So there's a long stretch of canyon where so after parties and stuff, people are driving, you know, along this stretch. Kids are, teenagers are. Right, right. One, two in the morning. And I'll never forget that my old buddy Kyrie Wilson said that one time he was just driving oh my God. out there, you know, outside of town. <laughs> and here is this guy sprinting <laughs> down the side of a lonely highway. Just by himself in the middle of the night. It would be terrifying if you weren't from <laughs> if there. If you did weren't from that's what I think of. If you weren't from there, it's like who, why is the seventeen year old sprinting down the side of the road? I don't even know if you would think it was real. Right, right. Oh, oh my god. But that's yeah, spooky, spooky stuff. How about that video? I know, I know. That's that. That'll I'll be thinking. Of, I'll be flashing out that later. Just that figure whoop, walking <sighs> in the background. I mean that that would entity or human, either one. Scare, scare the hell out of me. It made me want to set up cameras in our house. Oh God, yeah. Oh my God. But but maybe yeah. it's better to not. Maybe know. it's better to not know. Sometimes that's what I'm just thinking. I don't want to. If there's something that is not human wandering around, we're not there. Just you know, please don't break our stuff. <laughs> I know. I was talking to the spirit yesterday because I was doing these stories. We'd been out of town for a couple of days, and I just like had my well, I had my back to where the candle was actually, mm-hmm. and uh, I just had like a creepy feeling, and I just was like, hey, enough, like. You gotta go. I don't want to play. Like, I don't right. even know like what I was saying. Like, we're just like, go. Like, it's okay. You're safe. Uh, you know, you can move on. There's like all the things that you can say to a spirit. Right. I mean, it was soon after that that the little fire started. So that didn't make me feel good. Well, you know what? Here, here's an argument against all your amulets and crystals. Yeah. You have a pile of crystals. They were in my bedroom. They were not anywhere near me. Mm-hmm, but you're always, you got amulets, you got stuff around. I, on the other hand, have none of that stuff. And I don't see shit in our house. I didn't say I saw anything. But you feel it. You worry. So maybe. Just you hear said, me out. No, hear me no, out. I won't hear you out. Because maybe you... all these crystals and things are, they're like, um, you know, homing devices and you're pulling weird shit to yourself. No, because I'm very cautious with the kind of crystals that I get. And I do not get any crystals that will increase astral projection. I do not get, <laughs> I do not get any crystals that will increase your psychic abilities. I'm always getting ones that are like for like steadiness, calmness. I want you to get so many crystals that increase. I want you to have a mound of psychic projection crystals. Or I mean psychic ability crystals. And I want you to demonstrate some psychic abilities. Fuck today. no, I have no interest. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, we'll see. We'll just see as this stuff, if the thing torments you further and further, as you get more things, and as I continue to get no things, if I'm left alone, it's not a bad little experiment. 
I don't feel haunted by it. I don't feel threatened by it. You're weirded out by it. Yeah, you would be weirded out too. Leave me alone. You okay? How about all the times that you say you're sitting in the upstairs, in in your spinny chair? I know I don't like that. Uh huh. And you but feel something. You just I don't. Spook, I spook myself at night. I do. You spook yourself. I spook K. I spook myself at night. Mm-hmm. Because you feel it. You're just too uh, too chicken shit to admit that you feel it. That's what I think. I think that you would rather just uh, deny, deny, deny. We were talking about this. I do like living in denial of this stuff because it makes me feel better about the world I live in. Right, because you said that like you were in your hotel room watching some scary movie and it was uh-huh. freaking you out. And so your method is just yes. pull your blankets over your head, yes. close your eyes and go to sleep. And I mm-hmm. said, but what if it's right there? And you said, I don't fucking want to see it. I don't want to know. I don't want to see it. Yeah. I, when I feel scared, open my eyes. I'm like, let's confront it. Get out of here. I just want, what if I had like a a, a minor demon-ish thing mm-hmm. possess me. Mm-hmm. And then that gives me the strength to fight off bigger, scarier things. That is not how it works. There's been no stories of that. I want to, maybe I can be that story. Maybe that's, maybe, what if I had like a little scary thing that he was like, he's bad, but he's not like too bad. Nope. And then he can be like my guardian demon-y thing. Uh-huh. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know. Did you think it was fun that I brought crystals to Las Vegas and put them on our bedside table? I just trying to, I just kind of like when I was hiding from the monster mm-hmm. and that state of denial, I do the same thing with all the crystal stuff. I just pretend it's not real. Okay. Well, maybe it's not real to you. <laughs> when are you going to have Reiki done? I don't know. I'll, I'll, I will try the Reiki. I'm curious. All this, all the stories you told me, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll try it. And maybe that'll, that'll change me on some stuff. Mm-hmm. 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 Let's talk about our ears. Let's talk about our ears. And then I have some gifts, some presents. Oh, yeah, talk about some gifts. Some gifts gift. and ears. Not gifts, but gifts. Are you are are you used <gasps> to the uh, in ears now? It's kind of weird. I know I mean, it, it does. It was, you, I can tell. I, I saw you. I addressed it. I had to stop that story because I saw you just glancing around. What is the word? Furtively. I don't know. Furtively, furtively glancing around. But you were you were glancing around, and I could tell it was because it was every time I would hear, hear like the low rumble mm-hmm. of a car go by the road. Yeah, you can barely pick it up in the in ears, and then I would see you kind of glance around. Well, and I think it happened more after I heard a spooky sound in our ear from producer Joe. Mm-hmm. He got you rattled. Yeah. Uh, I liked that when we went, so to get these done, you have to have a mold, mm-hmm. like where they, they only, these only fit my ears, Dan's only fit his ears, yeah. so on and so forth. And so you have to go and have a mold done and they put this weird like putty in your ears. But before they do that, they take a string with a tiny, tiny, tiny piece of sponge on it. Like, oh, yeah. And they push it into your ear canal, mm-hmm. like pretty far. Mm-hmm. So, and it's, you know, so that they can remove the mold. Right. Oh, God, Dan hated it so much. I, I didn't like the way it felt. Joe and I thought it was great. What I thought was weird with you guys, how when they pushed it in like the, your one ear, it's like I could see it peeking out of your other ear. <laughs> Dad joke. <laughs> hey JK, JK. JK, JK. I know, that was a corny dad joke. Yeah. But I love them. I like that mine are gold, gold and glittery. <laughs> Look how pretty. What did you get? Did you just uh, get black? Like dark blue and blacks woven in, matte, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. interesting. Just the colors that I was drawn to. Uh-huh. Because you're dark. I, how are you giving me shit when you got gold glittery ones? I'm, I was just thinking about your dark aura. Mine's like light and bright and everything's happy. Uh-huh. And yours is not. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I like to find any way to bring this back to like some weird like aura, crystal, uh-huh. spirit yeah. thing. I just okay. wanted to make you crazy. Well, Is it working? I think so. I think you're chipping away at it. Chipping away? I'm mm-hmm. wearing you down? You're wearing me down. Sweet. Sweet. Uh, we Talk did, about your gifts too. You got. I know. I've, you got some presents. I've got. I've got a pile of them over here. I just. I didn't want to leave them out. Okay. Hold on. Okay. 
Uh, you know what? I'll I'll do the thanks while you're doing getting your gifts ready. Okay. We'll keep it. We'll keep it moving that way. Uh, please keep sending your stories to my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. For anything else, email us at info at scaredtodeath.com. Um, thank you for listening, watching Scared to Death Bad Magic Production. Thanks to our team, Harmony Velocamp, social media, Joe Paisley producing and directing. Uh, we have Zach Flannery working with the team as well. Thanks to Sophie Evans for helping us find more creepy stories. Thanks to Joe Paisley, Zach Cohen, and Jeffrey Montoya for the sound beds. And also to Heather Rylander for taking over the My Story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com emails. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram if you want more content like Mondays with Monique uh, at Scared to Death Podcast. We uh, kick out you know uh, pictures, videos all the time on socials. There is, is additional content to what we're doing here. And you can subscribe to Bad Magic Productions on YouTube where you can watch this show, where you can watch Time Suck, uh, where we're now going to be putting out quite a few stand-up clips from over the years. Oh my God, are you funny? And I can be funny sometimes. I have more than just my ear-to-ear joke. And uh, I don't open and close on that. That's not part of the set. And then, that, yeah, so we have all kinds of content. Okay. Let us let us fill your ears from ear-to-ear with Bad Magic Productions. <laughs> okay, I'm done now. I hope your stand-up's better than that. It, it is. It is. I'm, be, I'm being intentionally weird. You know it is. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so this says, Hi, Dan and Lindsay. I yeah. thought these would be cute to adorn the Scared to Death set. Hope you enjoy them. Thanks for all you do. Sincerely, Space Lizard and Peeper, Jamie Harris. And so do you see that little black and white guy? Oh, that's awesome. The, it's like a, it's a like little, a little like, penguin skeleton. I think it's a bird. Okay. I think it's because of the coloring. He reminds me of a penguin. And there's a, there's a cat guy. Maybe like a little crow. Ooh, ooh, little crow or little cat. I mean, cat. Crow, crow, cat, cat, crow. That that's a that's a bird, not a penguin. I mean, a, a penguin is a bird, but there's cat, and then there's another one up here. But I don't want to take it off the set. Okay, I, those are awesome looking. Thank you. Thank you. Very, very, very nice. And then for me, yeah, more fuzzy socks. So many fuzzy socks. Look at all your socks. They're hearts. Valentine's Day is coming. I hope you plan on getting me nice. a lot of crystals for Valentine's oh, Day. You don't care about Valentine's Day. And then also, and those are yeah. from a uh, fan, Sabrina. Sabrina also sent, <sighs> Dan, um, a protection yes. crystal set. Okay. There are explanations of all the crystals that are mm. in this little sachet. Mm. Obsidian, fluorite, which Monroe informed me of. She was playing with my, I have a fluorite um, stone already and it. Like the middle is depressed. It's actually really just kind of like soothing. soothing to to come, um, like thumb it or sure, whatever. Sure. And uh, she said, "Oh, fluorite. That's where you get fluoride for your teeth." And I was like, "No, that's fluoride." And she said, "No, Lindsay. Oh, and she was the she fluoride right? for your teeth comes from the fluorite stone. I don't know, Ooh. but she was so serious she, about it that she's probably right about that. <sighs> oh man, they've been put to the rock tumbler. They're all smooth." So you have obsidian, absorbs mm-hmm. undesirable energy, whether it originates from you or the environment or others. You should, you, you should circle me with those. Yeah, I know. And then <laughs> we have fluorite, highly protective huh? and prevents psychic manipulations mm-hmm. and blocks EMF population. Okay. Malachite, defends against energetic pollutants, radiation, and other impurities. Also protects against people named Dan. Mm-hmm. Hematite. Very grounding, prevents uninv- uninvited energies from entering the aura. Amethyst, <laughs> powerful uh-huh. protector against psychic attack. Oh, man. Transforms destructive energy into pure light and heals addiction. Oh, it's a powerful one. Oh, tree agate. 
Well, this is clear quartz. Uh-oh. <laughs> You're missing your... Oh, shit. Are you missing tree agate? Oh, oh no, God. it's this one. Oh. This is tree agate. Oh, thank Guards God. against harmful emotions, keeps you safe, especially in nature. Clear quartz protects against all forms of negativity. I feel like I should be throwing <laughs> these at you. I should live in a clear quartz. I should, you should have like a force um, field of clear quartz. There's not protect yourself from a me. description of this one. I can't think of what this orange one is. Uh, oh, I think I know. That one's uh, top, topaz agate, and that one lets you levitate and shoot fireballs. <laughs> Come on. No? All right. <laughs> ah, you got a lot of got a lot of powers. Got a lot of powers there. Uh, thanks for thanks for sending your power crystals to Lindsay, guys. She's been extra magical. Um, and I I notice it. <laughs> She's not amused. I know a lot of you guys get annoyed by uh, my joking around about crystals, but you know what? Fucking get over it. Uh, I don't have to believe you're what you believe. I can still tell a story. I can still wonder about spirits, and I don't have to. I don't have to, you know, live in a quartz bubble. But but Lindsay, but it makes you happy. I can't it, help and, that you're and not. A lot an, of people like it. I can't help that you're not an elevated human. That's okay. That's fine. I can't either. You can. I can elevate myself by. What kind of rock do you use for that? I didn't say levitate. I said elevate. I want to elevate myself to a you different to plane. Of, I want to get to a higher plane of consciousness. I just can't remember if I'm supposed to use gravel or if I'm supposed to use um, like moss or something. I need to know what element. If there's like a really sexy man in our fan base who also loves rocks. I'm sure there is. Well, then you should be he worried. He probably does yoga. You should be worried. He's, he probably does. He'll probably he's go probably to hot a six yoga pack. with me. He probably does hot yoga. He probably like. Where are you? Next husband. He <laughs> Where are he probably you? rubs uh, Jade on his big old dick to get ready for his... Speaking of, uh, <laughs> I was reading a whole article about... Um, oh, what is it called? There are crystal dildos. Mm-hmm. And I just read this whole article. This woman like started like a line of dildos yeah. and butt plugs and all the things made of like various crystals. And when I read that, I was like, get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know that I can get behind. Not go that far? Well, I just, one. Aren't you judgy about the rocks all of a sudden? One, I don't think that like using a rose quartz dildo versus like a regular dildo is just what it's going to make it that much more enjoyable. And it's gonna also. Le- it's going to levitate your sweet puss. All right. Thanks <laughs> for telling me everybody, everybody I have a sweet pussy. <laughs> um, but rocks are porous by nature and they have right. flaws. You mm-hmm. could easily cut yourself. Right. You could, I mean, unintentionally, but like. But I think that the, the company had the funniest name. I wish I could remember. It was like Shock Rubs or something. Shock Rubs, yeah, like 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 a take on Chakra, oh. like rub it out. I I don't. I was dying. <laughs> well, maybe maybe you'll get one of those. Maybe we'll get one of those. <gasps> Does somebody want to send me one? Oh man! I also there. Do you know that yeah. there are water bottles that have like crystals inside? So you're like absorbing the elements of the crystal. Oh man! How ironic would that be if you choked on a crystal? No, it's like. Uh, I see. It's like built in. Yeah. 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 All right. All right. I don't know. I don't know. They could be more powerful than I am aware of. I will say that. I don't know. I'm not a crystal expert. But I am. We all have things that we find funny. I find them funny. But I'm glad you. I'm glad you like them. I'm glad they they help her out. You're not glad. You're just saying that. We're gonna have a big fight when this is over. Enjoy your nightmares. Creeps and papers. I'm gonna. I'm gonna cover my. I'm gonna get an amethyst shield to protect myself from Lindsay's psychic energy right now. I hope you're scared to death. If spirits threaten me in this place, 
Fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through but has no home here within scared to death. Pandora makes it easy for you to find your favorite music. Discover new artists and genres by selecting any song or album, and we'll make you a personalized station for free. Download on the Apple App Store or Google Play and enjoy the soundtrack to your life. You ever meet someone who seems kind of off? Whether it's a creepy neighbor or random phone number that keeps calling you, Truthfinder has you covered. You can search for people by name, address, phone number, email, and more. Truthfinder can be especially helpful for running confidential background checks on anyone you're planning to meet from online dating apps. Go to truthfinder.com slash podcasts for a special offer. That's truthfinder.com slash podcasts to access your special offer today.